This is the Subscription Rockstars podcast, brought to you by Subly, the number one subscription e-commerce platform. This podcast is where entrepreneurs, marketers, and business owners learn tactics to grow their subscription revenue with your host, Stefan Pretty. Hello, everybody. This is Stefan Pretty from Subly, and I am at Sub Summit 2019 in New Orleans. This is day number two, and I am currently sitting next to Matthew Arevalo from Root Crate. Root, Root, Root Crate. You got the last name perfect. Did Arevalo? I? Yeah. Oh, perfect. Oh, Good. Because uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a minefield out here with last names. <laughs> oh, have you seen some of the street names no. in New Orleans? <laughs> there, there's a street called Tashluhapu. I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm sure you've got it right. I mean, no, that, that can't be right. I, I, I don't think anybody gets it right, so it must be right. <laughs> Sounds pretty complicated to me. Um, so I'm really stoked for you making time and joining us. I'm stoked uh, to be here. I know you're a busy guy. Um, and uh, just to give you guys a bit of a background and an introduction, uh, Matthew is the co-founder of Loot Crate, and they have over 350,000 subscribers, uh, which is massive. Um, previously was the chief experience officer when mm-hmm. you guys started, and now you are the chief innovation officer. That's correct. Uh, Loot Crate was a bootstrap business for the first three years, and you guys were founded in 2012. That's all correct. Is there anything else you would like to add to this? Uh, no, I think we're going to go over a little bit, like, what is a chief innovation officer yeah. doing and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah no, all of that, uh, I will say, uh, uh, in a non-defensive manner, but just so people understand, uh, while we've had more, we've had almost half a million monthly subscribers in the past, that's when we had one subscription box. Ah. We now have 25 of varying price points, and so what we found is people kind of like and went and like found those big ones that were there Got and you. stuff like that so we don't like releasing that number because we, we don't you know we but, can start but that, again if you want no I, that, no that's, that's, that's fine okay it's, cool it's a, it's a good method of understanding kind of for some context correct okay cool i mean we are at the sub summit after all so this is the place if there's going to be yeah, a place yeah. to talk about <laughs> monthly subscribers um and at the end i'm going to do a quick fire round and with those questions, okay. you just answer one word. And if you want to add additional context, I might have a follow-up question from it. Um, they're just It's just kind of a bit of fun. They're a little bit different. I like fun. Okay, good. Um, okay, great. So let's just dive in. Sure. Uh, the first question I have for you is, what's your superpower? My superpower? Yeah, your superpower. Not what superpower would I like to have? We can do that too. Okay. My superpower... Um, I think it's uh, 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 an ability to kind of understand. I put myself in the in the shoes of that kind of super fan, mm-hmm. you know, that evangelist, that, that you know, kind of understanding maybe what are those different touch points that a, a customer should experience with a brand to really kind of have a, a solid relationship with them. Okay, uh, I'm not a really kind of creative guy from a design aspect. I'm not a finance guy. Um, it is pretty amalgus, uh, 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 ephemeral to talk about like experience. Experience. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of where I kind of settle in is balancing customer experience and brand um, engagement with, as an entrepreneur, business needs and insights and everything. So basically, you're extremely, extremely empathetic. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Understanding. I have how- other, I have faults though. <laughs> like I'm, I'm bad, I, we're all human. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So I'm going to dive into some, uh, some of the deeper stuff here. What's the toughest situation you've experienced in, in your business to date? 
the challenges from uh, from from growing so quickly, okay. and that's not a humble brag. It, it really was like you know because it wasn't just us; it was the community's adoption and like kind of really, uh, really kind of getting the groove of what we were trying to do. And you know, we grew very very quickly. Mm-hmm. But we were both first time kind of big time entrepreneurs. We had consulted in the past and had other businesses, but this was the first one that was like, wow, there's millions and millions of dollars coming in. How should we distribute those funds? How should we scale a business from three people to three hundred? And so, yeah, you know, boo-hoo, we grew really fast, but there was a lot of challenges that came after that. And so the toughest part of the seven years of Loot Crate was the 18 months between, oh, wow, we, we, we now are at this large scale, but look at what we had to maybe kind of compromise a little bit to get there. Mm. And that might mean that maybe we weren't as um, careful when it came to uh, talent acquisition. You know, we maybe kind of scaled too quickly. It might have been some partnerships and some deals that we were doing that maybe if we had had a little bit more time to analyze them. So um, it, we, we got into a situation where we, we just kind of bit off a little bit more than we can chew. Okay. Um, and I think the reason why we looked at it in that way, or the reason why we even kind of went down that path, was we were really the only big game in licensed pop culture exclusive items. We weren't doing candles or soaps and stuff like that. We were doing licensed products. And so when we started disrupting that space and started doing product orders of like, we want 400,000 units of like a Batman mug to mm-hmm. sell this month and it sold in, it got the attention of a lot of people and there was kind of like a real estate land grab, you know? So we didn't know who could come along with a few more few million bucks and be like, well, we'd, we'll just go to the WB license. We'll get the Disney license. So I think we were pretty aggressive okay. and we might've bit off a little more than we can chew when it came to scaling that. So now um, the, after those 18 months uh, have kind of passed, we've got the business a little more focused, um, we're more profitable than we've ever been, and we're really kind of diving back into that customer experience, and instead of keeping the status quo or maybe dipping a little bit lower, we're now trying to find ways to double and triple down on what really helped us grow in the first place, which was focusing intently on that relationship with the customer from beginning to end. Okay, cool. That's a good answer. It's, uh, it, oh, that one always brings up like a much bigger picture, still, like you know, to the, the context of the business and your journey. Um, Okay, so if you were starting over, what would you actually do differently? We probably would have, I I would have persuaded and come to an agreement with my co-founder to bring on a operations and finance kind of uh, support early on. Okay. Uh, We went from folding tables to more folding tables to having like a small warehouse to a 200,000 square foot warehouse. And we did all of that before we really went and tried to find executive assistance and help from people who have done that at scale. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of bootstrapped ops as well. Mm -hmm. And I think we probably would have found efficiencies in the process and operations that we were doing early on that we could have had a little bit more uh, resources when we did have trouble times. Had we not just been like, well, we can can do this. Mm -hmm. Um, And so took a few years before we really had like a operations executive um, that we could really work with. And and I think starting off, um, absolutely, you know, between Chris's, you know, very, he's a CEO and co-founder, his, you know, dedication to, you know, business excellence and creating a great experience for 
the users and my side, which is, you know, a little bit more on the creative, the production, the entertainment, the kind of, you know, the boxes transforming into things and, you know, focusing on those kind of things. Uh, I think had we had a mentor, uh, you know, somebody that can lean in a little more, I think that would have been, hmm. would have been best. Uh, yeah, so and that's yeah. what I advise companies now uh, that are in this space. I'm like, here's what I think that that starting team could and should be based off of what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I think it's like a founder's, you know, uh, instinct to try and do everything themselves. It's, it's just, it's, it's also, a, it's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing when you start to get to that level it of was scale. Also, it was also dangerously easy early on. Like, okay. oh, we can just get a label printer and ship station. Mm. The label spit out. And then it's like, wait, but we want to do this and want to do that now. And it just didn't scale. And it just, it took a little longer than than it probably, it probably should have, but... Well, interesting. We'll dive into the um, the advising consulting side in a little bit. Um, I want to uh, ask more about that. Um, okay, so was okay. You you guys obviously scaled your team up. Um, what's the number th- one thing that you guys look for when you're hiring? Is there or, or actually there's a second part to this? Is it the case where uh, it's hiring fast and firing fast? No, I mean we have we have people who who have very long tenures with the company, okay. and, and I think it's because. We, we never really had a, a exit strategy. We weren't like, this is a business that in three to five years, we can see selling to a major entertainment brand or a major e-commerce brand. This was something that we just kind of stumbled into because of the origins of it. You know, we started in a weekend. Um, three, four weeks later, we shipped our first box, and then we shipped 14 million boxes after that. And it was something that, like, we really didn't have an opportunity to, to analyze super in a super detailed fashion. Okay. So so move so part of our our culture fit and the way that we work is as much as you know is there something that you're passionate about is there something that you can align with with our our company values of trying to bring fans together through our products and our services along with is this something that you can grow through and and uh, actually make a career out of okay we're we're very rarely looking for someone who might just be like a mercenary like just really great at one thing and like have them come in yeah. we'd rather have you know our own core best practices, things that we're doing, and bring somebody in and being like, well, they're doing talent management or influencer management now, but we want to see them to be part of a leadership team in marketing as they continue to scale up. So you basically look for potential for their own growth as well, which is, that's awesome. That's really cool. Um, What's your proudest moment in the business? I think when somebody got a tattoo of our logo on themselves. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. That, that, that might be the weirdest moment because that's not really, that's kind of like, ooh, like, like he likes that people are tattooing his logo on them. No, I, I would say the, pr- the proudest moment was uh, seeing the early responses from people who got this box, like knowing that this is something that we poured a lot of passion and energy into, but it's the best that we could do under the time and the circumstances to be able to maintain like this, we're going to ship and it's everything. And seeing the first messages come back from people being like, this is so amazing. I've never had anything like this because ultimately the Comic-Con in a box concept was meant to replicate not just the items and the things that you would get for going to Comic-Con, but the whole emotion and pilgrimage and uh, the, you know, the uh, tradition. And so that's why it was very important that everybody get their boxes all at the same time.
time. You know, we all do unboxings together. The boxes, you know, prompted for taking photos and videos, and, and like it became part of the actual process. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, that really struck a chord with people, where it wasn't just something that was a box for them that had that was just convenience and curation, but it was community as well. They knew that we were a non-judgmental company. We weren't nerd this or geek that. We were Loot Crate, where yes, we primarily started on geek culture and gamer culture, but whatever you're a fan of, we welcome you and are not judging you based off of how deep your fandom is. Let us help you discover things, but let's also help you show things that you could be the super fan of, uh, but unless you're a member or a subscriber to our service, you can't get anywhere else. Mm. And and kind of manage that that whole range of, of fandom. Yeah, that's it's really interesting because I, I, I know that we spoke before and you were telling me about how uh, a lot of your products are, you, built, you make them yourselves. Yeah. And that makes it super unique. So you have, as you said. And much more profitable. <laughs> which we can then in turn put yeah. into, 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 the, into the, the, the service. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that the experience, you own it and they can't get it anywhere else, which is really really cool. Actually. Yeah, I mean, there is a secondary market. You know, we, uh, when you're at the scale of hundreds of thousands of monthly subscribers, you're not always going to get on the nose, oh, this is what it is. Even with years of data sciences and really smart, smarter people than I who do forecasting and everything. So we do have like an e-com and um, after we're in Walmart and stuff like that. So we can't say that you would never have gotten this item ever unless you were a subscriber to our service. But it's the only way to really guarantee that you're going to get it because okay. it is in short supply and these are items where um, you know someone comes up with an idea like we think it'd be really cool to do a uh, bathrobe that looks like Doctor Strange so it mm -hmm. has the flared collar <laughs> and it was right when the movie came out and everything or a sonic screwdriver spork so you know it looks like the sonic screwdriver but it's got the spork on the end it's a practical item we can come up with these ideas we have we approach we have the licenses for them based off of you know a few years of relationships and then that exists with the Loot Crate logo on it Loot Crate Marvel, Loot Crate Star Wars, you know, and, and there's a, a, it helped build that brand affinity, but it also helped us show that, like, these are things that might not have worked on a retail shelf or, you know, on a website, you know, geared towards, like, anybody, but because of us being able to take your feedback and what you're interested in, and because we're fans like you, these are things that are created to create the, the biggest emotional response and attachment as mm -hmm. possible, and so we did things that would never work in retail. You know, mm -hmm. people would walk right by and be like, oh, that's not the main character, or it doesn't have, you know, Luke Skywalker's face on the outside of the box, even though it's not a Luke Skywalker item. Um, we could break all those rules because we had this community, and still do, of hundreds of thousands of people who are supporting it and, and you know, picking their fandom and, and uh, getting those items every month. Yeah, and I'm guessing the whole thing must have been really surreal for you. Like, watching this idea become huge. Yeah, it was, I mean, it, it happened quickly because we were also doing all the Facebook, all the Instagram, you know, everything. We were traveling. We had a bus that we bought for, <laughs> for, for like 1500 bucks or something that uh, we then had no air conditioning, no heater, and only went 60 miles an hour, like <laughs> downhill maybe. Uh, and we drove it to Texas and to Seattle to two big video game conventions because we wanted to be there and want to do that. So between like 10 shows a year, here, um, again, bootstrapping, we're staying in fancy hotels and everything. I mean, our first Comic-Con booth was a table, mm -hmm. and now we have this big kind of Hall A presence. But there was so much stuff that was going on between my co-founder and, and our CEO handling all the corporate governance, all the legal, the taxes, and everything that has to be done on that side, licensing everything, and me being on the road a lot, those first three years went really quickly. So yeah. we, we went from that zero to 100 million in revenue 
bootstrap without raising any capital, but it wasn't like it was. we were looking at the bank account or we were looking at the finance. I wasn't. He probably was. Um, yeah, it, it, there was no time. Yeah. It was just like, how can we just continue to nurture this community? How can we get them to get really excited? And how can we show them a behind-the-scenes of the process as it happens? Um, I honestly think that we kind of kick-started the company uh, without officially doing it because we were so transparent about what was happening that a lot of our looters, a lot of our community felt like they were part of that journey mm-hmm. in that community. We but, didn't wait until we had the fancy offices and the fancy forklifts. We're like, no, this is us trying to figure out how to drive a forklift, you know, and sharing that content with people. A, a collaborative approach. That's really cool. Um, you, you mentioned actually earlier, you said uh, you, you use the word user. So you consider your customers users. Is that because you, you're kind of like a tech company? You, uh, I, I must have misspoke. No, okay. like they're, they're, they're members of our community. They're, okay. me- they're members okay, cool. for sure because uh, there's a number of additional benefits that you get aside from the physical products from being a member. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're, we're, we're more of a, of a membership and services company than, than uh, users who use our platform. Okay, cool. Cool. Just wanted to clarify yeah, that. Sorry about that. That's all good. Um, so I'm curious, you're, you're chief innovation officer. What, what does that actually entail? So the, when I started off, I was chief experience officer, which is really just a funny way of saying like we don't have a CMO or <laughs> a community team or production and stuff like that. So I'm just going to do all that stuff. Um, now I focus on, you know, as we've uh, refocused the company, gotten things tightened up, you know, through that, uh, the, you know, the hyper growth and, you know, found the partners and we're on the, we're, we're, we're doing really well is to find ways to leverage that half a decade plus and, you know, $800 million in revenue generating plus data products, technology, you know, all the stuff that we've done. And can we find ways to, to enhance the membership experience, um, with things that can be rapidly, you know, ramped up and rapidly down and scaled and everything. So as an innovation, uh, person at the company, I'm focusing on, um, things like our cam- our, our mobile application that has a built-in camera that allows you to point it at our boxes and see augmented reality nice. scenes kind of a, a happen. We decided, you know, we can put all our videos on YouTube and everything, but what would be more powerful than someone being able to just take their phone and point at it and watch as the box came alive with a video screen awesome. and had a personal message from us on it? Um, or, you know, we had people who were like, I'd love to do an unboxing video, but I don't have a YouTube channel. Like, I don't have Instagram. I'm just, I, I like your stuff. I go to conventions, but I'm not really in that whole online thing. Well, our app has the built-in camera and walks them through, like, you know, take a photo, do this, do that. So that was something where we didn't hire a mobile development company, have to hire mobile devs and everything. We kind of just incubated it in-house, built it on off-the-shelf Unity, other kind of things, found some AR experts to work with us and, and get it done. That's awesome. um, and the other project is a video and digital comic network that we're going to be um, launching uh, this year that allows our looters to be able to watch um, content uh, on Roku, Apple TV, etc. Wow. Uh, as well as read digital comics, um, Transformers, Voltron, G.I. Joe, that kind of thing, as part of their membership or as kind of an additional kind of uh, offering that we're doing that'll be purely digital. That's really cool. And, and obviously that's, tot- that's totally speaking to your superpower. So I, I love that. That's great. Um, what, as, as of just now, what are the main focal points inside of Look Great and, and your involvement? Uh, right now, you know, we, we just finished a move down to Mexico of our operations uh, in order to be able to 
run, you know, longer, more, you know, uh, 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 focused, you know, kind of take that third party logistics uh, approach uh, that we didn't do for years and years and years to allow our team to focus more on the, the creative and development side. And honestly, it also is going to keep us a little bit more um, accountable when it comes to, you know, uh, delivery times and orders and POs and stuff like that, because instead of like, well, we have our own warehouse, we'll make it work. We'll figure it out. Oh, something else happened in this, you know, and have something slip. We now have a partner who's like, come on, guys, like we're ready. Yeah. We're here. We're doing it. Um, it's a beautiful facility. Um, uh, they also do pop sockets and Bombas socks. Um, it's it's great. Uh, so our focus has been, you know, the past few months doing that so that we can take those savings that we get and put them into the service and not have to, you know, be paying a premium for kind of doing it on our own. Um, and the other focus is on um, really kind of building a logged in experience for a subscriber. Right now our site is very transactional. You go there, you pick a crate, maybe you manage your account and stuff like that, but if you come there and I know that you're a WWE Slam Crate subscriber, I should be able to say, you know, hey, good afternoon, here's some information about your crate and everything, and by the way, here's our, our Facebook feed, here's a poll we have asking for like what here, what you know superstar would you like to see in the next crate, here's a small little chat room or forum where you can talk to other looters who are WWE fans about either the products and themes in the box, you know, without building a whole social network, but more of just combining pieces of what we're doing in other places and making it on our site. We'd like to have that and mostly on mobile, um, mm -hmm. you know, to be fair. Um, but, more, you know, have an experience where there's more engagement happening between when you get the box and when you order it um, than just strictly waiting and filling out surveys, but more of an engagement with bringing the fans together on their own if they want to communicate in that way. That's a, that's a lot of a lot of things going on. The good news is the infrastructure is there yeah, like we yeah. built we built a lot of the platform of lootcrate.com on almost nothing off the shelf you know there was a lot of a lot of investment there proprietary uh, yeah. to be able to do monthly boxes and bi-monthly and quarterly and one-off and all the kind of weird things that we were doing that partners as amazing as they are our partners we broke a lot of their mm -hmm. Perceptions of how many people would be trying to do transactions and how many subscribers you'd have a month and everything. So we had to build a lot of that on our own. Fishing was boundaries. So now, so now that we have that nice back end, it's got like a single sign-in system. It's really smooth. It's multi-language and everything. Now we can start adding adding that kind of front-end interface, and the team's doing an amazing job of it. I mean, one simple thing. It's a little more transactional still, but one thing we have on our site is if we know that you canceled your subscription, um, but we, you're still cookied and you, you didn't log out of Loot Crate, automatically logs out for mm -hmm. security after a while. Let's say you go back there, the first slider on the page is like, you know, you know the one thing missing, you know, from Loot Crate, you know, <laughs> is you, you know, and like reactivate now and has, it isn't just, you know, it's a nice friendly message, it's Ill illustration everything to basically be like, you know, we want you back, like come back, join the community again. We would have never thought of that in the past. It would have just been like, oh, we'll send them a, uh, you know, come back email or something like that. But now we're kind of understanding that people might be coming back to the site to kind of check out what's going on, what the themes are, and why not make it customized to them to be like, hey, we really would like to, if you which will have us. Mm -hmm. uh, here's a special offer. You know, come back to us, kind of thing. That's nice. That's really. I, I like that. It's a good touch. Um, in, in terms of your product development process, what what does that actually look like? I mean, we, we spoke about it briefly before, but yep. I would love the listeners to hear this. Sure. So, so uh, it's quite uh, a long process. Yeah. At this yeah. at this point right now, we can go from 
a concept for a product to it being in our distribution center in about nine months. Okay. And that can be a complicated item that has, you know, uh, made out of different materials, has articulation, all that kind of thing. And it's because we've hired uh, toy experts and product designers from Mattel and Hasbro who, as much as they love their lives at those companies, it was, you know, these big, larger corporations, maybe a project they worked on for two years would just get shut down for whatever reason, right? Market, you know, data or something. And now they get to one month design a, you know, Black Panther item, and the next month design something for Rick and Morty, and the you know the next month do something with uh, Stranger Things, and then do a RoboCop item. And so the creatives at Loot Crate love being there, and have gone have been very flexible under you know like you know some time you know, constraints as we've kind of grown, um, and are some of the best in the business. So they'll start off with just a, a rendering. You know, it's just like, well, what, what would it look like uh, if we did a pencil sharpener for Deadpool? But you know, the pencil goes into his eye. <laughs> and you know, and, and that's how you sharpen the pencil. And it's like, okay, we'll sketch it out and everything. We have that license from Marvel for lifestyle items. We don't have the figure license for Marvel, so that's why our Marvel subscription and Deadpool are both um, things to help you kind of like home and goods and stuff like that to show your your fandom without it being a bunch of collectible figures and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it goes back and forth with with testing and materials and everything. And because we're partners with Disney and Sony and these major companies, it's already all. Uh, uh, environmentally safe and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's all through those same factories. So it's a pretty fast process now. And they trust us a lot. Okay, I was going to say, do you need to get sign off on everything? I mean, mean, when you scroll through Facebook and you see a Deadpool ad, down on the bottom it's going to say copyright 19, you know, 2019, uh, you know, Marvel, because we, every ad, every video, we send them and and they approve it. And that's what gives Loot Crate that kind of, that a, a different aesthetic than maybe some other subscription boxes because we're not just using a logo. Our internal team is creating original co- original images based, you know, inspired by it, but they aren't beholden to like a style guide or anything. Okay. Do do their own thing, and those all have to go back and forth. But I'm I'm thankful that after seven years, the turnaround time is when I tell other people who are licenses, they're like they're like jealous. They're like man, they like they like right back. It's because we've done so many products. It's not like we've done. Ten Marvel items. We've done hundreds. You've got a track record, and so they know that, like you know, it, it's a quick. It's they know the process, and we mm-hmm. have our own kind of. Some of the companies we have our own reps that we work with, uh, just because we're doing so high volume with them. And and that also, I'm guessing, means you have to do a lot of planning and forecasting for your growth because if you're building or designing products and developing products nine months in advance, you need to know quite accurately right. how many you're going to have. If you have surplus uh, inventory, do you just do you just sell that as individual items? Is that how that works? Yeah, we'll either so. Excess inventory either gets bundled into mystery bundles that we sell on e-com okay. or you can buy them individually at what we call Loot Vault, which is vault.lootcrate.com. Okay. But that's where you can go. But you might be spending $12.99 on an item that's valued at $19.99, you know, retail value. But it was in a crate that was $24.99 and mm. came with five other items. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, definitely is better to get the subscription. But if that's just not for you, we do have e-commerce for, to allow people to do that. Um, yeah, we plan out about a year. You know, every Everything's a theme, and everything is basically based off of tent poles and entertainment. So we know that you know Godzilla comes mm-hmm. out, uh, and it's Godzilla, King of Monsters, and it's all about him, you know, battling other monsters. Well, that would be a good theme for like rivals. Mm-hmm. And what are other rivals? Oh, well, Karate Kid season two. I mean, Cobra Kai season two is coming out. Well, we have a relationship with YouTube. What if we did a pin set that was, you know, Daniel on one side, and and uh, I forget the 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 mean. 
uh, blonde, uh, you know, guy, but, uh, you know, a Cobra Kai guy on the mm-hmm. other side and put it on a really nice back that says Karate Kid and make him look like 8-bit characters. I mean, okay, so now we have Karate Kid and Godzilla, and so we kind of flesh everything out mm-hmm. um, in that way, move things around as needed, but that's why things are, are really kind of um, in step, and we can draft behind the marketing of some of these other major, major tentpole events and get co-marketing support from the companies to do Yeah, so. I was going to say, that's, that's awesome, because like, you've got them backing you, essentially. Like, Bloodshot is a movie coming out in February um, starring Vin Diesel, um, part of Valiant Comics, and, you know, they, they're not Marvel or DC, but they have this amazing characters, and they're going to launch their their new characters. We're going to be able to see the scripts. We're mm-hmm. going to be able to see concepts, wow. know about Vin Diesel's character enough and everything, so that if we just if we partner with them, an item in that month of February, the shirt or something, isn't just going to be like bloodshot. Like here's a, a poster that like from the movie. Maybe there's some like item in the movie that's really important. You know, mm-hmm. like for John Wick, we've done you know coin the coins and the, you know like what if there's something special there? That's what we want yeah, because yeah. you're going to be able to go to any store and buy a sh- you go to Target and and buy a shirt that has something on it. We want something that's special. So when you you see it out there, if it's apparel, you know it's another member of our community and it kind of brings you together. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know there's something that you can't get you know at, at any retail store, even as they continue to put more you know pop culture stuff in the front of the store instead of kind of like the gaming and and geek sections in the back. Yeah, that's awesome. It's actually I'm, it makes me excited because that's like I, li- I like that kind of exclusivity thing going on and they kind of bringing people together. I like that. The br- yeah, the brands love it because again that we're working on things that maybe they would never do in the past. Right. You know, they're used to be you know, big box retailers being like, give us the X thing that's the main character and everything. And we're like, well, what about the robot companion? Like, he's awesome. People love him. The theme is you know, sidekicks or body or a team or something like that. Let's do a really awesome bust of that robot character and everything. And they're like, yes, we'll send you the files. We'll give you the models. We'll give you whatever you need. Like, that's a re- an awesome idea. Mm-hmm. Let's do it together. It just gets them a little bit more excited to, to go a little bit off the beaten path from like what might be the mass market kind of thing. Yeah, that's uh, powerful. Um, okay, so I'm going to change gears here a little bit here. And I'm going to ask you, what are the key m- metrics that you guys focus on internally? Subscriber growth, churn, you know, monthly recurring revenue, uh, but we also have a number of experience uh, metrics um, that we looked at look okay. at as well. Aside from just the transactional kind of subscription stuff, so um, I know it's a buzzwordy thing, but sentiment analysis. But what we do is the social platforms that we are the social tools that we use to schedule, respond, and stuff like that have gotten better and better over the last two or three years of being able to determine sentiment based off of what people are saying. And, and what they're, you know, now with Facebook, whether they're using you know, angry or happy and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, and so we we look at that on a month-to-month basis, on a quarterly basis, on a full-year basis. What is sentiment like on Facebook versus Twitter, and when are the peaks and valleys, and does it relate to, how does that relate to the products that we did at the time? Did we introduce something new and stuff like that? So when people are talking about, you know, where's my box, or I was confused about the refund policy or something like that, those kind of things that aren't awesome, we see that and track it and do what we can to mitigate it and and turn it around. Um, We also have what's called a perceived value index. Hmm. And this is where post-sending of the subscription box, we ask people to not only rate the individual items on a scale of like, Matt, this is amazing, Mm -hmm. but also the overall experience. Did they feel right together? Did they fit the theme? You know, what were all those different points? And that value index is a zero to five score. Sorry, zero to... 
zero to five score. And it lets us look at something and be like, okay, you know, was it the packaging that it was in? Was it the, the character? Was it, well, you know, what was it about it? And allows us to be able to more accurately project in the future. Like, wow, people did not like coasters that were laser etched. We thought they'd be cool, but, you know, people just weren't really feeling it. The PVI score for that was 275, whereas we did these more kind of like uh, flexible, um, uh, more plastic kind of coasters, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that stack well and everything that more colorful because they weren't laser etched and that had a 3.6 mm -hmm. like okay like let's when we go through the curation process we look at the value index of what people have said relay that to what churn and the transactional stuff did yeah. look at social pull all that together and make a determination of how we should buy what we should do and, and you know what changes we should make with, with this PVI index does that um, do you find that that correlates quite accurately with churn as well oh absolutely especially yeah. over time because I'm, I'm oversimplifying. It's not like there's like some, I mean, I've seen them write some equations out, but it's not some crazy algorithm. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's looking at different touch points. But because we also have done like 29 million individual transactions, we have all that data, mm -hmm. it's actually backed up by years of loot crate data, which is much more interesting and important, mm -hmm. right? If it was just like, oh, value index here and here, but if we just knew that people who like this kind of product always rate this thing a little lower for whatever reason, we have to take that into consideration. Mm -hmm. Or maybe there's a multiplier we should put on something because we know that we did something vastly different during that period of time. So it's definitely not in a bubble. We have our own data sciences team and our own kind of like dashboards and, and things that we use to process that data. Um, and all of it goes back into the product. But what we tell partners and what we tell our looters is your feedback matters to us. Your, you know, the more you tell us about your experience and how you feel about the product, the better we can adapt it and change it to make it so that it's a service that is for you mm -hmm. and not something that we are just, this is what we curated, here's what we think, enjoy it or not. And I think that's what got us from zero to 10,000 subscribers, 10,000 to 100,000, and 100,000 to over 300,000, was continuing to kind of adapt and, and, and um, uh, adjust. It sounds like these core values and principles you keep coming back to, um, and you mentioned at the beginning, like you're going through these scaling kind of pains and, and it, I think it becomes like a decision making tool and mm -hmm. it sounds like you're using these core values as your like uh, anchor like to always it, make decisions and, from that point. And to your point like what was the most challenging part of Loot Crate? Mm -hmm. It was when we did a lot of work on what are those core values and what is it that we're trying to achieve and we had to not break those rules but we had to like mm, you know look at things a certain way and be like well it's for the greater good like that's that's the toughest thing mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. it's like you know that this is something that like we're not a public company there's legal things involved with like why things happen and you know everything else like that we can't tell the community specifically what the issue is we can just apologize for like you know like this item not arriving in time or something shipping late or something like that we can't tell them the actual reason why illegally and that kind of breaks our you can count on us like core initiative mm -hmm. that, that, that trying to be as rampantly transparent as possible and so when we were super transparent early on way before boards and investors and partners <laughs> and legal and all the stuff that we you know we had to p tighten up it is it is a struggle a little bit now to want to like like see the reaction and want to be like I wish I could tell you that it's all going to be okay and that this was the you know these were the two decisions and we fought about what would be best for you and you just can't yeah so that's that's the tough part so now the good news is is that the <laughs> 
lack of flexibility that we had to be able to kind of lean into more experiential things is now back. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, it's gone. And we now have much more flexibility. And those core values of you can count on us, we're fans like you, you know, we love you, um, and, and powered by fun, you know, all those things really help with the decision-making process and help mitigate things that like, oh, we might have taken that out or might have changed that. But like, no, we got to stick to these principles. Yeah. And I think our mission is, much, again, I'm not really a buzzwordy guy, but like we really kind of drilled down to to unite the world through the shared celebration of fandom instead of to be the the number one source of pop culture gear that fans love or something like that. You know, we really wanted to make it about this really is about, you know, the core subscription is there, mm-hmm. but that's why we experimented with some of these other things is there's much more that we can do to be a to be a brand you know that can partner with and, and be a friend to the you know to our to our members more than just a transactional experience. It's serving rather than self serving. Correct. And and it sounds like you went through a, a stage where uh, those core values were pushed aside and then you had to bring them back to the, the front and center. It might have just been like the 10 things that are underneath that. It's yeah. like one, we just had to compromise a little bit that, at the, right. uh, on something, um, you know, or, or change, you know, the uh, the timing that we thought we would do with something where we said, well, we'd always want to do this. And now we're able to kind of go back and do that. And thankfully, it's only, it's been, there has been some interruption in the, you know, what we truly want to achieve mm-hmm. when it comes to the service. But... Our, our community has supported us. You know, churn is not skyrocketing. Uh, you know, uh, acquisition is not, you know, slow. In fact, it, it seems like those core people, those hundreds of thousands of people, they're, they're there with us because they, you know, they know that we're, we're you know, always going to give you them the, what they were looking for and, and do everything we can. That's awesome. around it. Um, okay. And then uh, what's the, what's your thoughts on the subscription industry in general? Because, you know, we're here at SubSummit. Uh, what do you see for the future? Uh, what's your opinion on it? You know, I, 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 the subscription boxes and subscription services are the best way for you to have a relationship, um, you know, with that end customer. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of people say personalization is the future, you know, like that people, people, oh, people unsubscribe because they just didn't really like everything that was in there. It's like, well, yeah, it's a mystery box. That's <laughs> it's going to happen. You know, like I, I think as companies start thinking outside of just the direct subscription channel and who might have been like, we are anti-retail. Why would we ever be in a retail store? And find ways to serve uh, a larger base in a in an in a authentic way that isn't stepping on each other. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, values the subscribers who are dedicated monthly, but also acknowledges the financial or the, the whims of people that people can change and everything mm-hmm. and give them other ways to interact with the brand. I think that's that's where people should be kind of leaning into. And I don't mean like just start doing a bunch of content and videos and stuff like that, but maybe start the idea of starting to create additional content, you know, so that when people, when they go and they're like, they're about to hover over that cancel button and they're like, you know, but I'm going to miss out on like that perk that I get, or I'm going to miss out on that, like that newsletter that, you know, if my box is all, it is is a, is a box that helps you, um, you know, have activities with your kids, you know, having a supplemental other things you can do out with the idea items or, you know, partner brands and things that, you know, that these things can be part of a larger experience with just content marketing. I mean, it's nothing, it's not rocket science, right? I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not giving, you know, the magic, but I'm saying as I see subscription boxes leaning more into that without going so far with like, we're going to create a whole production team Mm -hmm. and we're going to hire the best bloggers. And, you know, I think just trying to understand that, that 
having that core channel is important, but finding ways to kind of expand to be able to keep relevant with with you know your subscriber base in between shipments or in between their um, adoption of your product is going to be really important. S- sustaining and building upon that relationship, um, and finding and finding ways to bring those the, those members together as well because yeah, that's those really are, an interesting because those relationships that they make you know like what if you and with I each other. like if you and I are Loot Crate subscribers and you know it's twenty bucks a month or twenty four with shipping and we're both subscribers and everything and you're just like look I've got I've got like enough stuff like yeah. you know it's starting to accumulate I would be somebody who would be like cool um, skip whatever theme you want but like still maintain a subscription because I like talking to you about video games mm-hmm. in the Loot Crate you know kind of forum area and everything and so we want to be able to help build a little more stickiness with the brand in places to where people are like even if I'm not getting the box I'm getting the digital version or I'm watching mm-hmm. the TV or I'm watching their video streams or I'm getting access to their digital comics or I'm listening to their podcast like whatever it is we want to be we want to kind of be flexible there and not have to be like it has to just be a subscriber and they're you know that's our our main method of, of interacting with them. It's the first time I've heard this this as a suggestion and a concept, uh, you know, letting it letting them keep each other involved, basically, by using that as a sticky point. I really like that, bringing your actual members together. Um, okay, cool. So, and in terms of the actual subscription industry, are you bullish? Do you think that it's going to keep going up, or do you think there's going to be... Yeah, no, I think I think there's going to be less players out there. I okay. think there's going to be more of a consolidation. I mean, if we look at our space, mm-hmm. there's a couple of companies that do quarterly boxes of licensed pop culture items that are like actual licensed items. But that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, and you would think, but, oh, there's a like Marvel, there's a, a gaming and Fortnite, there must be a million companies out there. So, like, we managed to kind of consolidate, you know, we're the official box of WWE and Hello Kitty and Harry Potter and Rick and Morty. Like, we've kind of, in our space, have kind of been that kind of big player. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be other players like that. There's going to be a consolidation of social good companies that are non-competitive, but, you know, one focuses on, climate, you know, uh, you know uh, uh, one element of... Of, of giving and another one is for uh, you know different causes and they can all be under one network of subscription boxes sharing mm-hmm. I think there's gonna I think the people are gonna kind of less acquire each other and kind of more form up into kind of individual clusters mm-hmm. um, and, and and I think I think that's just a natural kind of kind of move um, especially because I think there's always gonna be a the same way there's a micro influencer and influencer kind of mentality where you have people who are niche experts and have their own uh, such high engagement that they're just as valuable as somebody with a large a larger audience, but because they're so much more focused. I think there's always going to be room for those kind of subscription boxes out there that even have a very specific focus, like you know superhero themed candles or something mm-hmm. like very focused because I, they can be part of a larger ecosystem um, as, as time goes by. Yeah. So ni- the niches you, you think that the niches are going to become they're going to partner up with each other basically. They should. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay, and then one last one before we do the quick fire round. Uh, if you were talking to somebody and you were talking about uh, advising and mm-hmm. consulting, uh, if you were talking to a you know a new start, what would be like your number one piece of advice at the starting early stages? Um, you know, build out a a solid um, competitive analysis of 
of other things that are out there. You know, do do you know spend uh, as much time as you possibly can before going to market, doing as much research as you can. And that's not an expensive proposition, but you know, find you know obviously becoming part of Subtime. I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm <laughs> plug it a little bit here, but like you know do that's it. that's obviously a great first step because you know be, participate in events with people that are you know who are in the same business that you're doing and stuff like that. And we started no business plan, no bank account. <laughs> I didn't even know my co-founder. We were at, we were at, we, we met each other for the first time. He's like, I got this idea for like, I'm like, I'm like, cool. Yeah, I, I, think, <laughs> I think I can do that. That's great. And we sat down and in 72 hours we had a company and a month later we shipped our first box and then we never stopped. Yeah. So my feedback would be like, you know, like, plan and prepare. Plan, like maybe, maybe hang out with your co-founder a little while, <laughs> you know, before you start the company, maybe talk about what, how the financial structure of the business is going to be done and stuff like that. I mean, basically just ask as many questions as you can. Um, be humble enough to understand areas of expertise where even as you want to be an entrepreneur that can do it all, that, that that's fine, but it's never going to be you know, a very large business until you can find people that are smarter than you are mm. and people that you can replicate kind of what you're doing. So I would say, you know, be open to, to input from others. Um, you know, find advisors and find people who have gone through the challenges that, that, you know, you may be able to face so they can show you the, the little shortcuts and the, you know, where to kind of step around and give you, you know, little hacks and cheat codes to kind of get where you need mm-hmm. to be. Um, and then obviously, you know, just always balance um, the customer experience with your business needs. The, every time that we, almost to a fault, okay, because we were, it was first time CEO, first time co-founder of a company like this, we focused on how can we just make the experience any tiny little thing? Can we make it easier for them to find us by putting this in the box? Can we do this? Mm. Can we do Every time we poured all that energy in there, it always paid off in the end with the return. Always. There was never like, oh man, we did that and like, that, you know, it did, you know, we really focused on customer experience and like blew up in our face. Um, So I think, you know, like making sure that you have that very constant communication with, with your, with your subscriber base is incredibly important. You know, and and those first founding people who support you, white glove service, break any rules. You're like, well, I normally, why why would I refund? It was my, just anything you can, because those are the people who are going to serve as the core foundation. They're going to become the evangelist. They're going to preach your, you know, what you're doing. So you don't need to publicize all the special things you're doing to take care of, uh, take care of them. Just do it and word will get around and, and it'll definitely create that brand affinity that, that you're going to need in order to create a foundation for a really successful business. Awesome. And uh, in terms of the advising and consulting thing, do you want to tell me what is it you're actually doing there? What is it you're, you're, you're look, who are you looking to work with? Like what types of businesses? Non-subscription boxes currently. Okay, <laughs> interesting. Because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at Loot Crate, mm-hmm. but both Chris and I, um, openly work with you know entrepreneurs who are interested in this space. You know we don't mind giving advice and stuff like that to people in this space. But you know I have an obligation as a <laughs> as a founder and owner of 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 uh, of Loot Crate. Or at least, at least uh, not anywhere in the pop culture space. If you have if you have a box that has absolutely nothing to do, I can probably help you out. <laughs> um, no, we're we're just we're 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 open. You know we I'm turning 40 this year. Chris is early 30s. You know so he started pretty young with Loot Crate. Okay. 
we've learned a lot. I'm now a father. I've now had hundreds of employees and stuff like that. The same way that people, you know, took the time to help me, I'd like to offer that to, for people as well and yeah. stuff like that. So I'm always open for a cup of coffee or, you know, a LinkedIn message, you know, something like that. As long as people understand that, like, I'm going to be respectful of their time and, and vice versa. And then, you know, I'm, I'm doing some, uh, I'm trying to work on ways to build that out larger in the future, find ways to, to be able to help first-time entrepreneurs and people, especially who are in the fandom and direct-to-consumer space. Mm, yeah. You know? yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay, so let's do these quick-fire questions. Sure. Uh, and then I'm going to give you the opportunity to tell people where they can find you. Um, okay, so the first question I've got is business cards or no business cards? No business cards. Okay. SMS or email for communication? Both. <laughs> but I have to pick one? Yeah. SMS. Why? Uh, it's just a much more personal, you know, way of communicating, and it's 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 also a method that um, a larger and larger demographic is comfortable with with getting information. We see this overseas where those messaging apps are the way that people do almost everything, pay for everything, mm-hmm. things like that. I I think that's that's going to continue to grow here, and I think people should be. Optionally asking for phone numbers, and I think people will be uh, the conversion and optimiz- the the opt-in of that for people is going to be higher and higher, and it's just going to be a much better experience. So you deploy that for Loot Crate, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, product. Oh, wait. Funded or unfunded? Funded or unfunded? Yeah. Give me some context. Uh, you know, starting a business. Uh, I guess it depends on the business, but in your opinion, what's your favorite? Like out of the two? Funded oh, unfunded. Or? Okay. Cool. Um, product first or marketing first? That's a, this is, these are weird rapid fire questions. So many ways no, I no, can tell it. This you, is good because you're thinking if, about if, it. If you've if you've taken the time to do a competitive enough, if you believe that you've truly created something that people can adopt and is unique and you know creates a connection, you can market that. So mm-hmm. if you were just like, oh, but I'm a great marketing person, and I'm you know, it, it does start with the product. It starts with the service. It starts with what are people paying you for, and you can always develop unique and interesting marketing channels. And, and strategy around that. So I would say product. Okay, cool. First marketing. I mean, we didn't have a marketing department at Loot Crate for hundreds of millions of revenue. I mean, we didn't, there was no CMO or anything else like that. We were just, everyone was just collectively working on those things while developing the product and service. It sold itself. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, lots and lots of Facebook ads. Too. <laughs> What's the uh, one book that you'd recommend? One book? One book, yeah. Uh, hmm. It can be anything. Mm-hmm. Ender's Game. Ender's Game. Okay, yeah, read Ender's Game. It's a good book. Cool. Don't watch the movie. It's not as good. <laughs> Does it ruin it? Nah, it's just not as good. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then, what's the one thing that you can't live without, and it can't be your phone? My family. Okay. <laughs> Air. Air. <laughs> <laughs> Coffee. Caffeine. All right. Seriously, probably caffeine. Okay. No. Yeah, fair caffeine. one. Fair one. Yeah. Ca- you see me sipping. Not my over. Coffee. Not over my family. If we just assume <laughs> that my wonderful wife and my my beautiful son, like, if that's there, like, what? Yeah, probably coffee. Okay, like, cool. Uh, like it's 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 bad. Yeah, I wake up and I'm, I'm like hotel cop, like can't, in the room can't coffee. Function. I'm, nope, right out of bed. Like better bed, better <laughs> make it. So I love it. That's awesome. Okay, well, listen. How can people get in touch with you? What's what's the way they can connect with you? Or uh, you know, where, where can they find Loot Crate? Uh-huh. Well, Loot Crate is at lootcrate.com. Okay. Uh, uh, we have over 25 different subscription lines for whatever you're a fan of. We have our house brands like Loot Fright, Loot Sci-Fi, Loot Gaming, Loot Anime. Um, but then we're also the official subscription box of things like, like we mentioned, WWE, mm-hmm. Marvel, Rick and Morty, that kind of thing. Um, and we also do 
one-off boxes and, and short-run things. And all that's at LootCrate.com, although I recommend downloading the app on the App Store for the best experience um, because it'll just be you know a little nicer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we're at LootCrate everywhere, so you know Facebook. Uh, myself, uh, LinkedIn, you know, mm-hmm. just search for my name on LinkedIn and, and send me a message. That's the easiest. Uh, I'm also at Matt Arvalo on Twitter. Um, and then, uh, yeah, events like this. You know, I don't, I don't do a lot since uh, having a, my family, but uh, uh, feel free to approach and say hi. And if there's any way that I can help out or just listen, uh, I, I'd like to, to help out. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for taking the time out. And, and, and you know, you're such a busy guy and an inspiration to all of us. So thank you. Thank um, you for, for allowing me to, to, uh, to do this. Anytime. Ladies and gentlemen, Matthew Aravalo. been listening to the subscription rockstars podcast brought to you by subly the number one subscription e-commerce platform we appreciate you taking the time to engage with and listen to this podcast make sure you click subscribe to find out when the next subscription rockstar podcast episode is available for now keep rocking on